The Guardian. Hello and welcome to Media Talk. On this week's show, we get ready to rock as we talk to the man behind the UK's newest national radio station. Also this week, why the days of big money payoffs at the BBC are numbered, and we talk Facebook phone with The Guardian's very own Jemima Kish. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. And I'm joined for the first part of the show by Media Guardian reporter Josh Halliday and live from his sun lounge in Spain, former GMG Radio chief exec and much else besides Mr John Myers. John, how are you? Are you receiving us? Yes, I'm receiving you loud and clear. Nice to be here in Spain, where it's absolutely bucketing down. Is so it? that's probably given you some nice warm glow yourself. I'm feeling better already. Well, there have been seismic changes in the world of rock this week, and uh, it's, well, it's all to do with one of our guests here. First, a new venture called Team Rock announced that it had bought classic rock and metal hammer magazines from Future Publishing for the princely sum of £10.2 million. And the next day, Team Rock doubled down by announcing it was to launch a new national digital rock radio station called, appropriately enough, Team Rock. And on the third day, well, for the moment at least, it appears they rested. And the men behind Team Rock are former GMG radio executives Billy Anderson and Mr John Myers, hence him sitting by the pool on his phone right now. Uh, John, tell us all about Team Rock. Where did it come from? It's actually uh, Billy Anderson's idea. He had this idea for a different type of company that actually merged digital publication and radio and um, he wanted to do something rather special so we we went around the city to try and get some uh, some money and venture capital money and we were very successful with that with a great company called Harwood and they've come with us and our first step was to really acquire the magazines because they come with this fantastic community but more important than that John they just have a great team who understand all about um, uh, rock and the community and the people who like this particular type of music. And then, of course, our, our background is radio, so it's probably no surprise that we went into radio as well. But it's merging all that into you know, online and into the digital space and moving that around the world is really where the, um, the exciting part of the plan all comes together. So I think over the next few months, as it comes together and merges together i think it's going to be rather rather exciting there's another national digital rock station of course planet rock which which won sony station of the year and it's got nearly a million listeners but it never really came close to making any money john so how are you going to do it well it never made any money because it was primarily just a, a radio station that took spot airtime and you know the problem is when you're a niche brand and you can see this with like you know stations like jazz fm in fact i'm not sure there is a, any standalone digital station now that is making money at all. And so, you know, if we were just going to launch a rock station on the radio, then, you know, I don't think it would be any different to stations like Planet Rock. But because we're moving into other areas such as digital and also into the magazines and the publication side, merging all that together uh, is the real secret, I think, to to making profits. So radio is an important part, but actually it's a very small part of our whole operation. So we can expect lots of plugs between the radio station and the magazines and vice versa, and lots of synergies in terms of talent and all that kind of thing. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think we, 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 what we're saying is, look, what is really good about the stuff that we own? And taking what's really good in one area, merging it into another area, and actually saying to rock fans you know, around the world, this, is, this just happens to be based in the UK, but it, it's actually a, um, a worldwide objective, saying to rock fans everywhere, look... We've got something really good. You can now get it all from one particular area. It is about publications. It is about digital. And it is about radio. But more importantly, it's about content. 
And whether you're into jazz music, rock music or classical music, you can have all these radio stations and you can have all these magazines. But the fact is you have to deliver really compelling content. So the real thrust of our business is content led and then delivering it through a whole range of various dis distributions such as magazines, digital and radio. Josh, I've got you down as a bit more of a six music man, but uh, might you be tempted by Team Rock? I might. Uh, it depends what sort of uh, what they make out of the magazine, two magazines they've bought. I'm not, I'm not avid readers of, of of those magazines, but I mean, if it was to branch out into sort of Q or NME type areas, then then I might be interested. But obviously, both of those magazines have experimented with with radio. I think with NME, it, it failed a little bit, although they've done good stuff online. Um, so I'm interested in whether John t and Team Rock might be looking at, at those two magazines of potential acquisitions going forward. John, how, yeah, that's a good point there, Josh. I mean, how, John, how, how sort of mainstream do you go? Because rock's kind of got a bit of a, you know, I like a bit of rock myself, but it's got a sort of fuddy-duddy kind of, you know, 40, 50 males kind of image, you know, which maybe doesn't necessarily appeal to advertisers. How mainstream do you going to go? Well, I think that's right, which is why we're not taking spot airtime, you know. Um, yeah, tell us you, about that. If you're you, in you the classic rock. Well, actually, if you take, if you, take you know, the, the whole thing, first of all, about uh, the different genres of rock, like there is in, in pop music, there's a whole range of different ranges of pop music, whether it's dance or whether it's R&B or whether it's just general mainstream pop. And in rock music, that's the same. But, you know, as I said to the team, if I know more than three or four tracks an hour, on the stations that we're broadcasting it's probably not different enough you know so what i'm saying is is that there's a, a room for a classic rock radio station but we're not classic rock uh, we're going to cover the whole genre of rock and not just uh, the most popular bands if you listen to a lot of classic rock stations they tend to play just about the same two or three hundred rock songs that everyone seems to know and team rock is different than that in the fact that we want to play the whole whole range of rock music so it's not about chasing audiences as such and so if we were in this business just for spot airtime we'd never make a bean so we're not going to take spot airtime because no one makes any money on it anyway uh, but we are going to work a lot harder and a lot smarter with those organizations who want to connect to this very loyal audience and an audience which ranges from across all the demos because there are different types of rock music you can go at and says look do you want to partner us to do uh, to aim at this particular market. And by the way, we can also offer you something in magazines. And by the way, we can also offer you something in the digital space as well. So I think it's long gone are the days when a media organization can just have one area of media to be successful. I think you have to be across all of it now. So it's a true multimedia business. Okay, John, well, good luck with that. Next up, the BBC's new Director General Tony Hall was on the Today programme this week, being interviewed by John Humphreys. He did rather better than the last DG to be interviewed by Humphreys. That was George Entwistle, of course, who uh, famously resigned later that same day. Now, Hall indicated that the days of big payoffs for departing BBC execs were over. This follows criticism from MPs and elsewhere over the 450k payout to Entwistle and nearly £1 million that was handed out to former Deputy DG Mark Byford. Uh, MPs memorably said it was tantamount to rewarding failure and like winning the lottery. Uh, Josh, it, it feels like this has been a, a long time coming. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, the first thing to say is that Tony Hall has survived his first couple of days in charge, which is, is remarkable. Even it was, it was a slightly bruising encounter with Humphreys, wasn't it? But he does need to be extremely sensitive to the issues that are surrounding the BBC and that, that have done for a few months 
that perhaps his, his predecessor, George Entwistle, wasn't quite so sensitive to in his, in his short time in charge. I think the message that he, he gave on the Today programme was that he is alive to the issues, that he will tackle big issues like payoffs and uh, and salary. He said it wasn't going to increase, but he didn't say it would, it would decrease under under his stewardship. I think that the next couple of months in charge will see him take a real hard look at these issues, which is... He's a fresh face for the BBC, isn't he? I mean, he's an outsider. He came in, he was he was dancing in front of the cameras before a new broadcasting house, make it, making a bit of a fool of himself. But, I mean, it was it was refreshing after the sort of months, uh, well, since September that the BBC has, has had for someone to come in, be full of confidence and talk about the exciting future that the BBC has and uh, and be straightforward about, about the issues as well. Uh, John, um, Tony Hall's sentiments about these big payoffs and uh, executive pay uh, they were warmly welcomed in editorials in The Sun and The Telegraph, as you'd expect. It was a, an easy PR win for his uh, first few days in the job, do you think? Yeah, an easy PR win. And, of course, if you couldn't win on the first day, you're never going to win, really, are you? I mean, he, he went in and, and sort of uh, appealed to the populace by saying that, you know, the the days of the big payouts are over. But, of course, you know, when you go back and you, and you talk to and, and you look at some of these big payouts, if you look at the the last DG and everyone focused on the 50-odd days he was there, well, the fact is he'd been at the BBC for, you know, 25 years. So his payout sort of reflected those 25 years, not the 53 days but uh, so I thought he was he was given a fairly rough ride but the fact is you know going in he he looks bright he did okay didn't he with John Humphreys the the Rottweiler there and it was an easy day for him in front of John I think the problem or the real challenge for him will come is when something really goes wrong at the BBC and he has to then stand up and explain it but I think he's got off to a great start I think we should on the uh, media talk, actually pay tribute to Tim Davey, because actually Tim Davey, since his holding role, um, has actually done remarkably well. I don't think anyone will say that he hasn't done well. He's done. He's sorted it out, calmed everyone down, and I think many people would wonder why he wasn't given the job in the first place. John, you're taking over the podcast. You've already turned it into a tribute show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But a quick one for you. Uh, this made me think of you. Uh, Melvin Bragg said last week that uh, Tony Hall should take the uh, take the X to middle management, and, and you've said that a few times in, um, in in the couple of audits you've done for BBC Radio. So uh, that must have uh, seemed familiar sentiments to you. Yeah, well, it is interesting, isn't it? You know, because someone like Melvin Bragg or someone higher up at the BBC says it, it suddenly everyone says, "Oh, it must be right." But you're right. I have been saying it since 2009 when I did the first report for the national stations, and then I did the one about BBC Local. The fact is, you cannot move for middle management and in my last one on local radio i said you should get rid of all this uh, senior management because there's just too many suits about and i think that you'd be able to get rid of those suits without affecting the output but of course it is like asking turkeys to vote for christmas so i don't know whether he'll find an awful lot of opposition to it but he would be able to do a lot of good and certainly morale for the staff if he was able to cut a lot of this middle management which i think is just totally unnecessary okay well more more tony hall next week no doubt um and also this week we, we've got a watershed to report and i remember the excitement when i first came across the word watershed oh well uh, in a sign of the changing way we listen to music digital music players were the biggest source of revenue for songwriters in the uk last year eclipsing radio for the first time um, Josh, uh, give us some figures, not not too many, uh, and t- tell us wh- what's it all mean. Oh, it's a thing of the past, isn't it, Radio John? Eh? Um, uh, yeah, don't listen, John. Yeah, UK digital licensing revenues uh, leapt last year almost a third to thirty nine point one million 
from the year before because of all the new services that we listen to like Google Play and, uh, and Microsoft Xbox and Spotify and all the new ways that we can we can download and stream and stream music and it sort of reflects how the music industry is has sought to adapt to, to digital finally you know after after 10 years of of not really moving and, and being really opposing uh, these new advances to finally listening to what listeners want and and, and adapting to these these new services uh, and it's interesting i mean one one figure really caught my eye since 2008, uh, the revenue from music ringtones has, has fallen to £900,000 from £5.7 million. I mean, it shows how both smartphones have adapted in that time and, and music. It's just, it's just crazy numbers. The death of the comedy ringtone. That's right, thankfully as well. You don't hear it anymore on, on buses, do you? But you do hear the music blaring out of horrible tinny Apple earphones. Yeah, were you a crazy frog man, John? <laughs> I wasn't. No, no. <laughs> I'm still on. I'm still on the whatever the preset uh, ringtone is. <laughs> but I have, I have to say, I mean, are we really, really surprised by these numbers? I mean, I can't remember the last time. Uh, it must be years since I actually went out and bought a hard product of uh, of a CD or something. You know, you just buy this stuff online now all the time, don't you? So it's so easy and it's so integrated into all your other digital media that to actually buy a CD now or go and buy a DVD and things like that, I think is very quickly becoming a, a thing of the past. And I saw the DVD sales, the revenue they were getting from the rights of DVD sales has dropped also remarkably well. And that's because, you know, everything's going online. So if you look collectively at the whole money that's coming in from uh, these rights, you know, one one side is going up and the other side's going down. But that just, I think, just is a measure of the way people are consuming media these days. Yeah, I was in, uh, I hesitate to talk about myself, but I was in central London a little while ago thinking I'll go and buy the new David Bowie CD. And then I thought, well, for a second, I was kind of stuck, where, where am I going to go and buy? I ended up going down to Berwick Street to my old haunts, but there, there really isn't, uh, you know, compare that to a couple of years ago when you had, uh, you know, numerous uh, overpriced uh, high street retailers you could go to, but uh, changing times. Uh, but John, where's the bigger challenge for commercial radio, just very quickly on this? Is it from the BBC or is it from, um, you know, Spotify and all the commercial players, all the digital music players? Uh, the BBC is still a massive threat, but the real challenge for commercial radio is with the development of brands is also how to ensure you're, you are mixing content that people want uh, in between the songs. Now, of course, brands is a lot about you turn on, you know the music you're going to get and you're going to get it, but it's still very important to offer listeners a surprise and content that gels the music uh, and that station to individual listeners. So I think, you know, the challenge of a commercial radio is, you know, it's still a very good and very prosperous industry, but I think it has to ensure it continues to invest in content and also personalities that bring it all together. Okay, John, Josh, just time now for our Media Monkey quiz, uh, John, which I'm not, possibly you're not entirely familiar with. But you'll well, love I'll it. give it. I'll give anything a go, well, John. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, you can't win do, it do from points Spain, come surely. with prizes, by the way? They do, yeah, they'll be in the post. Since, uh, <laughs> since the Blue Beater affair, we've had to abolish any sorts of prizes. But, um, uh, right, so question number one. Which former Sun editor started his new column at The Telegraph this week? Oh, Kelvin McKenzie. That'll it, be a popular one. He's in with a bullet. Yeah, he's gone broadsheet, John. Yeah, he might have to learn some longer words, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, it'll be interesting as well as how The Telegraph readers uh, respond to Kelvin McKenzie because uh, just on Twitter you see all this thing you know with um, his legacy of Hillsborough and things like that that there's this army of people that uh, go on Kelvin and, and, and start bashing the BBC when he was on there I saw Kelvin McKenzie 
on BBC News reviewing the papers uh, just last week, and I was following it on Twitter. And the amount of hatred that was coming up on Twitter to the BBC, and then, of course, it's on Sky, and now, of course, it's gone to the Telegraph. So I'm sure the Telegraph know that while Kelvin, I think, is a good writer, you know, and he, write, he writes in, a, in an interesting way, but it'll be interesting if they can cope with this tide of people coming at the Telegraph saying, don't buy the Telegraph, you know, for, uh, for reasons X, Y, and Z. So it'll be interesting how they deal with that. Okay, question number two. This could be tougher, John. What's the name of the new show that Paul O'Grady is going to host for ITV? Oh, isn't it something like Dogs Are Us? Yeah, yeah, that'll do. (laughs) Well, it's... uh... He did for the love of dogs, but his new show is the four-legged Oscars. It's the British Animal Honours 2013. So one for the planet. Yeah, but there, what a waste Blimey. of a talent! What a waste of a talent, though, isn't it? I mean, what is the what is the TV companies doing? He's doing a dog show. He is one of the most entertaining characters uh, that you can get on on TV. He always had good ratings, and he's doing a dog show. I mean, are we totally bereft of ideas? Get him on Team Rock, John. Get him on Team Rock. Okay, third question: uh, Which organisation did Jim Carrey describe as a media colostomy bag that was fit to burst and about to become a public health issue? This is Fox News. It's definitely Fox News, isn't it? He's it had is a Fox News. A, a tit for tat over gun control in America. They've had a falling out. Fox News likes guns. I'd Jim Carrey doesn't. Yeah, that's it for this part of the show. My thanks to Josh Halliday and John Myers. And John, you won the quiz two one. Oh, very nice there. So there's I a, expect a very large Guardian check through the post. So the best of King Crimson is is winging its way to. You. Are they rock? <laughs> Slightly. Right. All right. Well, thanks both. week on the Guardian Audio Edition. Scientists unravel the genetic causes of prostate, breast and ovarian cancer by Ian Sample. The Voice. Will I Am looks like an action figure of himself and Tom Jones is Zeus by Charlie Brooker. To subscribe for free to the Guardian Audio Edition, go to audible.co.uk forward slash guardian or find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Audioboo. Guardian Audio Edition, a new way to get the whole picture. And I'm joined for part two of the show by the Guardian's tech guru. There's no other phrase for it. Jemima Kish. Oh, you're too kind, John. But it's lovely to be here again. It's been a long time. It has been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. When was the last time? I think we were talking about ZX Spectrum. So it was that long ago. Probably. Yeah. Well, it's a big week this week for Facebook and it's a big week for phones. And it's an even bigger week for Facebook phones. Yes, quite. So uh, if the rumours are to be believed and if the the wraps have come off properly, um, we're getting a Facebook mobile phone. Ooh. So this is through a partnership with HTC. It's based on Android, which is Google's operating system, which is quite nice. And they've put a Facebook skin on it, which is very beautifully designed. The handset is called Mist. And it, it all looks quite good, but it's unlikely that this is going to be a phone for the mainstream. Me, um, you mean? For you, John, yeah. I'm afraid, to break it to you. Some of us like to dabble in Facebook from time to time, but younger people really kind of live their lives on Facebook, so I think it's going to be more for them. Um, it's going to have two cameras on it, one for taking pictures of yourself, which people like to do on social networks, and one for taking pictures of everybody else, which people also like to do on social networks. And it feels um, like it kind of integrates sort of air, uh, social networking into kind of every aspect, every function, even kind of rearranges yes. your, your contacts list in order of who's closest to you. Yes. Well, I'd like to do that a, in order of who's furthest away. Okay. Well, you might have to contact Facebook about that specific okay. request, but there's going to be a rather clever caller ID function, a bit like bringing up the name of the person who is calling on 
on your phone at the moment. It's a bit like that, but it brings in extra information from their social network, where they've been on holiday. I'd be really interested to see what this is actually going to look like, but could be quite embarrassing. And what films they've seen and where they've been for dinner. That's and... exactly it. Like More information than you need. So imagine so there's, this. There's no of... need to answer the phone, really. <laughs> no. <laughs> you've got I, it all. I think basically you've nailed it there. But there will be an Uber feed, or what's been called the Uber feed, right. which, a Catch bit like them. the news feed at the moment, will be um, on the front of your phone. And rather than just aggregating posts from your friends on Facebook, it will bring in emails and news that is relevant to you and all sorts of stuff. So there'll be no bloody escape, basically. How big's the screen? Sort of 42 inch? It's a lot of information. It's, it's not quite 42 inches, four point something inches, four and a half inches, I think, which is, isn't quite big enough to be useful, is it? But yeah. Well, as long as it looks better than my Facebook homepage, it'll be all right. Cause what that's phone still are a you mess. using at the moment, John? What have I got? I've got an iPhone 5, Jemima. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're doing better than me then. But I've only scratched the surface. Well, I mean, I've literally right. scratched the surface, which is hugely irritating, but I've metaphorically mm. scratched the surface as well. You know, right. It's just me and my Guardian app, essentially. Right. So I, I do need to explore. I had Spotify for a while. Right. But uh, it always worried me that when you unsubscribe, suddenly you're left with nothing, which means I have to subscribe forever. So I'm sticking with physical formats for now. Right. Uh, moving on then. Video. Have you heard about video? Oh, I have heard about video, yep. Okay. Yep. VHS. N- not quite. This is um, without the E. Oh, um, video. <laughs> yeah. The the spelling, rather confusingly, is V-D-I-O. So it is without the E, but the letters are with in a different I. order. <laughs> there is an online service, John, going back a step or two, called Radio with no A. They have now launched a TV, keep up, a film and TV service um, called Video. I'm sort of struggling to see what this does that isn't already out there, really. It's not subscription-based. You pay on demand for shows that you want, and they're negotiating with studios to get really good shows on there, which sounds fair enough. Later on, they're going to be adding recommendations so that you can see what your friends are watching and a bit of second-screen action as well. I I think it's not really addressing the real problem with um, internet-based TV content, which is that smart TVs are shit. Somebody needs to properly sort out the obstacle that manufacturers have um, where they they won't properly integrate digital TVs and services. If you've ever actually tried to use an internet app, a widget on a TV, the experience is awful. I timed um, trying to open iPlayer the other day on my Sony Bravia TV. Other television manufacturers are available. A minute and a half. Uh, It's just atrocious. And... The manufacturers are causing a bit of an obstacle there. But anyway, that's uh, I mean, probably uh, for another show. A minute and a half in today's money is like sort of 20 minutes of yesteryear. You know, you expect stuff to be boom, 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 on demand. Yes. And when you consider what internet TVs um, could and should be like, which is in fact like a computer screen, like a good computer that we'd use, the experience leaves you a long way short. I downloaded uh, my anyway. first film on demand uh, of late. And, uh, it took me a long time, and then by the time I did it, I accidentally did it twice. The Big Lebowski? Uh, I forget what it was, uh, but it was The memorable. Goonies. Uh, but because uh, I did it twice, it would have been cheaper to actually go to St Albans Library and probably marginally mm. quicker the amount of time it took me. But um, right. I'm getting there. Something's not quite right then. It is not. I know it's not. Mm. No. Well, Jemima, thank you very much. And the, and the big Facebook launch is tonight, I believe, Thursday it night. Is. Yes, it's been a pleasure, John. Well, thank you. Depending on how, uh, how many of our predictions we got right will depend on uh, how long this week's tech segment lasts. But I'm sure it will last. I'm sure it will feel like it lasted forever. Uh, something like that, yes. <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. Jemima, thank you very much. Bye. And I'm joined for the last part of the show by the Guardian Guides, Rebecca Nicholson. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Uh, I'm very good, actually. I know all about tech now, having spent uh, a few minutes with Jemima Kish. I witnessed that. 
I'm off to uh, listen to some radio, I think. <laughs> I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, anyway, let's start this week with something I'm slightly more familiar with, the small screen. Uh, and first up this week is... Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game oh, of Thrones is which back. I, which I haven't seen. You haven't seen <laughs> I'm, it? I'm back in outside the comfort zone, but well, I, I intend is, to. It's very much a show that you can't dip in and out of. <laughs> it's You have to put the work in and watch all... Well, it's Series 3 has started now. You really have to watch the first two. You can't just decide to start watching it at this point because it will make absolutely no sense. They make no concessions for newcomers at all. It's very much in the middle of the action. That's brave of them. It, well, it is and it isn't. It's got such a huge fan base. I don't think they're really too bothered about accessibility. And how was it? Is Series 3 standing up to the, to the last two? I've only seen the first episode. It just feels like they've picked up exactly where they left off. So very, very much the same as before, but with some new gruesomeness, because it is always very explicit in lots of ways. But in the first episode, which was on a Monday, they had um, someone slicing his nipple off. Oh, well, his own His or own else's? nipple. Ooh. Yeah, stony-faced. It wasn't Charles Dance, was it? it, it sadly, it wasn't. That's and the only tangible thing I can grasp about, about this show is that it's got Charles Dance in it. And he was, I went to the premiere of it, um, so I saw it probably about a week and a half ago. Gorgeous man. He was there. Beautiful blue eyes. Chat. It was so funny. He, he, there was an audience Q&A, and every question that someone asked, Charles Dance just went, I, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Oh. <laughs> Never meet your heroes. And they gave a very grumpy answer. <laughs> um, but it was quite amusing. Um, and it was there were a lot of people were watching this uh, on the QT, uh, aka uh, illegally. Yes, is that right? And what's interesting is that well, apparently it's the most pirated episode ever. There's lots of I don't know how you how you measure that exactly, but there's lots of statistics flying around about the torrents and things like that. But what's interesting is that HBO's president has has said it doesn't seem to be hurting our DVD sales, which is possibly the first time I've heard a TV executive saying that they don't really mind all that much. Is that because people watch it on rubbish quality online then go and get the Blu-ray or whatever? I think they probably do, you know. It's one of those shows that really benefits from having the kind of the good quality version. And it's interesting that we've only got it a year, uh, a year, a day later than the US broadcast. But still, I know a lot of people here who watched it as soon as it had been on in the States. They can't wait 24 hours, if that, to watch it. Officially. And it did big numbers for Sky, didn't it? Despite all those illegal viewers, 700,000, I, I think. That's, yeah. That is good. Yeah. I didn't see that. Better than Mad Men last season. Yeah, which Oof. is back next week. But more Mad Men next week. I'll save that for next week. A little preview. Right, OK. And uh, next? And next, uh, Saturday, Arna Dahl is on BBC Four. And that's another Scandi crime acquisition. And this, this must be the is... first since the, since the Killing Three ended, I guess, is it? Well, Borgen, or maybe Borgen's been on since. Borgen's yeah. been on since. I'm holding out for the next bridge. I loved the bridge. Oh, yeah, that was my favourite. I think that was my favourite out of all of them. Um, but Arna Dahl is uh, an author who's written the Intercrime series, and these, this is a 90-minute first part of a two-part. Can, can you have a two-part standalone thing? I think I might be contradicting <laughs> myself there. It's 90 minutes, and it's the first of two parts. That I makes see. more sense. I mean, it's very much a kind of Swedish crime drama it's quite gruesome actually in a way that others haven't been quite so explicitly gory any nipple slicing no nipples as far as i saw but it does open with someone getting a dart to the eye which Ooh. is not nice i don't know did you watch utopia in the end no, i never that got around some to it, no. unfortunate eye stuff as well yes. eyes are really having a hard time on tv this year um you will probably see a guide feature on that soon uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and this to me is quite like if ITV1 did Scandi Crime, this is what it would be like. There's lots of crash zoom 
shots and it's all very cheesy someone actually does that leap over a wall like one of the manly detectives you know the one I mean where oh, yes. hand down legs over leap to get to the crime scene but it's really good fun it's really good fun but don't expect the kind of gravity that we're used to from Scandi crime it's a, it's a snack as opposed to a, yes. a killing main course. Yes, I would say so. And talking of snacks, as we were, or if we can possibly drag that into uh, beverages, um, the Victoria Wood's got a new show coming up, and it's something to do with a cup of tea. Yes, Victoria Wood, the great British cuppa. That's on next Wednesday on BBC One, and then Thursday on BBC One also. See, I have an irrational hatred of any BBC show which begins with the great British, but this is not part of Bake Off, So Off. No, there's no... I don't know, offs. where can they go next with that, do you think? What, what's the next... Well, if there's devolution, they just have to stick with, uh, you know, sort of uh, isolated England or, <laughs> or whatever and wacky Welsh. Yes. Well, this is, this is very much about British identity because it's a history of the cup of tea. Oh. I absolutely loved this show. I, I'm a big Victoria Wood fan anyway, and I really like almost everything that she's done in recent years, apart from that one slightly strange BBC comedy Christmas special that was very odd and wasn't particularly great. Uh, this is more, this is a documentary. She's going around the world... To, she goes to China, she goes to India and talks to people about tea and watches tea being picked and she goes to restaurants where they serve food with tea, uh, food made with tea and she speaks to Matt Smith and she speaks to Morrissey, she speaks to Graham Norton and it's just a wonderful, lovely thing. I just thoroughly enjoyed watching it. So is it like a kind of beverage-based uh, Cornwall with Caroline Quinton or is it, is it aspirations higher than that? I think it has aspirations yeah. slightly higher than that. It is kind of cosy but there's more to it. It's not just let's look at the pretty scenery. There's, no, no, no. there's more there. So we know her as, a, as, a, as, as an actor and uh, as, a, as a comedy performer, but how is she as a presenter? I think she's very personable, actually. I think she's very warm and funny, but it, it isn't the kind of gentle humour that you would expect. There's something quite acerbic about it, and I really enjoyed that. And that's uh, Victoria Wood's Great British Couple, which is in on BBC One on... It's on Wednesday and Thursday. Thursday is the episode in which Morrissey appears. And watching Victoria Wood and Morrissey have a chat over a cup of tea, about a cup of tea, really is a TV delight. Could be the start of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> uh, well, Rebecca, thank you very much. Thanks. Well, that's all we have time for this week. My thanks to all our guests who were Josh Halliday, John Myers, Jemima Kish and Rebecca Nicholson. You can leave your comments on this week's show on our Facebook wall, wherever that is, or our blog. Or you can tweet me at johnplunkett149. Media Talk is produced by Mr Matt Hill. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.